Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Well, Jeff, you went and did it. You disgraced the family. And by the way, this is Roger Fields. This is the Fields Brothers Show, and I am with my brother, Jeff. Anything we want to say, Jeff, about that? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So are you going to let me be on the podcast this week? or I guess it is the Fields Brothers Show. But, I mean, there you go. You get your one no chance, you get am, your one chance no on national TV, about. and you choose what to show your legs on national TV. Well, it wasn't my you choice. Show they were definitely. Yeah, well, you know, all I'm saying is, is you is. know. I mean, what's happening to our family? First, mom's getting pulled over speeding. You're showing skin on national TV. I mean, I don't know. We're just kind of like the Kardashians. Yeah, it's really. Just, just I mean, it's just scandal one, after one another. scandal after another. So you want to tell us how it happened and uh, give us yeah, a Yeah, I guess this down. is the first podcast since the Barbersaw tournament yeah, here. So I, guess, I was on the golf yeah. channel. How do you like this hat? Isn't yeah, that oh, it? yeah, mean, that's a great it hat. It really is yeah, a cool-looking hat. It's a white so, hat if you can't see it. So this, yeah, this may not be coming through much on the yeah, audio just podcast. just a black text. says golf. And what's that, the NBC Yes, that's the, well, the NBC logo. Yeah, logo, the, okay. So it's you know it's, it's the NBC Golf Channel logo. So I am um, quite happy about my new hat. So yeah, I was on the Golf Channel committee, and so I would follow around one of the groups. They would assign me a group to follow so you're around. You're on the committee. Did they ever say Jeff? At any point, did they ever say Jeff? Now to boost ratings, we got to make sure we get your legs no, on TV. See, that's the we? thing. They did not have my permission to do okay. that. So so for those who do not, some saw it on Facebook, uh, but I. I recorded the, I recorded the golf tournament so I could go back later and and watch for myself yep, there yeah, and okay, speeding yeah, through and uh, so I thought okay and I was following one group each day and so I would okay whenever they cut to that group I would see if and one time they they um, videoed one of the golfers that I was following leaving the green and they had a shot of um, me from about the knees down in the TV you know two years ago. I had a, my right arm sticking up holding a sign. So, so far, if you put them all together, I've got my right arm and both legs from the knees down uh, so on national still, you TV. You still don't have so, your hole. So that's um, – but it, it really was a lot of fun doing this and following and wearing a headset and having a, a two-way radio on so my ways to be able to – what did you do? He, he's putting now? Uh, no. They, well, they would want to – so I would follow a group, and I'm – there's a production guy, uh, you know, the golf channel employee, uh, the production guy in the trailer, he can see all 18 holes, a video, but he can't focus on all 18 at one time. So they had people like me following each group. And if something particularly exciting happened, so anything particularly I, would exciting, I never knew that anything particularly ever yeah. happened. Exciting ever happened in a golf. So tournament. like if someone right. hit it really, really close on an approach shot, that and would be considered and, exciting in a, yes. in a golf. Race. And so, and he, he made it clear we were to keep everything brief because if two of us are talking at the same time, he can't hear either one. Okay. So we were to, so if like the first two days or the first day in particular, I never heard of these three guys in the group. So I, you know, we have a clipboard, so I need to keep track of which shot they were on. So if he sees something on the TV screen from the trailer and he says, and he'll just mention the golfers by name is, you know, Bazelli on 13, is that his, is that for a birdie or is that for par? Well, I would need to know which and be ready to answer just like that. Did you know this? I mean, yeah, you, I always knew what your, they were okay. asking. And so but you were then, paying attention then. That's yes. good. But then the last day was the, the more exciting one. That's when I got on TV. The, uh, they're, they play in pairs on Saturday and Sunday, just two to a group. And so one of my guys uh, got up to second place in the tournament at one point. So he said, So you follow one specific player group, around? Group. 
a group, group of golfers. Thursday and four, Friday. Four golfers in. You weren't listing. On Saturday and Sunday, okay, they I'll play in pairs. That oh, would be pairs. two. Okay, two. Okay. I got you. Okay. Yeah, so, and okay. Thursday and Friday, they play in groups of three. Oh, okay. But then they make a cut. So I never heard of the guys Thursday and Friday. So I have a clipboard. I'm keeping track of their, their shots. And I would write their names on there and what color they were, shirts they were wearing because I didn't know them. So I needed to know who was who and um, based on how they were dressed. And so, but that last day when my, one of my guys was near the lead, he would tell me his name was um, Patrick Rogers was his name. Went to Stanford, evidently great, real successful in the college ranks. And he said, let me know every time Rogers is getting ready to shoot. Okay. So I would just say, Rogers 13 fairway approach shot. And that is it. I mean, there's no chit chat. It's just mm-hmm. extremely brief mm-hmm. to the point. And he would say, which is pretty cool. He would say, copy. You know, so it wasn't just oh, bro, okay, you know, it's so. like a military <laughs> maneuver exercise. So we would be um, then oh, we get boy. to the green. I would you know kind of talk soft. I'm on the other side of the green. Yeah, you have to talk and soft. That's Ro- even I Rogers mean, putting for birdie. Yes, or, I would say Rogers 14 birdie putt. He would go copy. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Okay. So that was and but the, but the part of the coolest thing was that we got I got to walk right up the middle of the fairway behind the players. Well, that would be cool. So, you know, they get off the tee. There's the players, two players on Saturday and Sunday, two caddies. There's a, another volunteer keeping score, has a little handheld device. He's the official scorekeeper. Okay. And then somebody else carrying a sign that has the players' names and their score so the fans can see, okay, these are the players' names and this is what their score. And so you. the three of us, and this, so it was three of us walking right up the middle of the fairway so behind the players. seven all together, so, two players, two caddies. Yeah, on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it was a little tiring because I had to walk the whole way and so um i'm <laughs> well, used to, you, you I'm kinda used to riding in a car yeah, yeah. Okay, i'm kind of used to riding yeah. in a car on this yeah but. okay well all right oh, before we get away from golf we i need to give a shot i don't know i think you probably saw this on facebook our friend uh, jd zomer yeah made a hole in one did you oh, see that i did see that yeah so i saw that okay well that is definitely worth mentioning on yeah, our podcast yeah, congrats, so jd has congrats, had our congrats jd yeah. he's had us on on his podcast i've never had a hole in one so jd i hope to um to live up to your standard Someday, but congrats no. on, on your hole in one. Was, so. you know, I mean, it was verified, right? I mean, he really did. Yeah, he was playing with his father, okay. and so there was a witness. No, it was okay. So, all right, okay. I, so I golfed yes, one was. time in in Tampa with uh, a real successful businessman, and it was a par three hole, and he got a hole in one. He was not the first hole in one he ever had. He's not only excited he got a hole in one, he was so excited that a minister witnessed his hole in one. <laughs> he thought that just solidified it. So, if anybody ever questioned his hole in one, you know. That's the old joke about the minister that skipped out on church one Sunday morning and made a hole in one. Now that he couldn't tell anyone because it happened yeah. on Sunday morning. Yep. He was supposed yep. to be in church. So, but anyway, congrats right. to him, to yep. JD. Yep. So, so, what's going on in your side of town? I thought I'd bring up a couple things here, two or three things. But the first of all is a story, and this honestly is not. You know, I guess we could try to make some. Um, biblical connection i don't know it doesn't have any obvious one but i just found this as a fascinating story that i just recently learned about and i'll I'll try to make it fast because i you know so hopefully so i need you to stick with me but it has to do with art garfunkel you recognize that name? yeah oh yeah so simon garfunkel Garfunkel. so this i'm surprised you know who that is this is a okay this is a story that just recently came out about his best friend uh is a man named sandy or sanford he goes by sandy greenberg Okay. And so, but they met in college. And so it's Sandy Greenberg recently wrote his own memoirs and he included this story in it. Okay. So they're, they're, they're in college. They meet, um, at the beginning of their freshman year in college, both, um, Sandy Greenberg and Art Garfunkel are, um, 
showed up as freshmen the first week as students at uh, Columbia University in New York, and they just met each other. They didn't know other people, and so they struck up a friendship. They had common you know, interest in books and music and that type of thing. And so he said, every night, uh, Arthur and I, calls him Arthur, so Sandy Greenberg, so Arthur and I would play the guitar, I would be the DJ, and the air was always filled with music. And and they made a kind of a pact together that if they would always be there for each other, if either of them got in trouble or needed something, the other would be there. And just a few months later, Sandy Greenberg was watching a, uh, attending a baseball game. His vision kind of got acting funny. And he basically, he, he was in darkness with his vision. The doctors told him it was just conjunctivitis. It would pass. But said so days later, he, they realized that, um, that he had glaucoma and that it destroyed his optic nerves, and he was totally blind. Wow. Permanently at that point. What age? How old? College. College you know, Just showing up wow. freshman. And so All right. he had a poor family. He was from Buffalo. So, so he went back. He had no money. Parents didn't, couldn't afford to to help him at that point. So he drops out of college, you know, he's blind, yeah. gives up the dream. His dream was to become a lawyer. So he goes back home in depression. He said, I wouldn't see anybody. I refused to talk to anybody. He said that then unexpectedly Arthur flew in. So Garfunkel mm-hmm. flies in saying he had to talk to me. And he said, you're going to come back. Aren't you? I said, no, there's no conceivable way. But Arthur was pretty in, uh, insistent. And finally said, look, I don't think you get it. I need you back here. That's the pack we made together. We would be there or the other in times of crisis, I will help you. And so together they went back to Columbia University. And so Sandy was entirely dependent on Art, Arthur Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Art would walk him to class, bandage his wounds if he, if he fell, help him fill out graduate school applications, things like that. And, and Art Garfunkel wanted to be able to identify with Simon. So he would refer to, or not to Simon, to um, Sandy. So he would refer to, Art would refer to himself as darkness was his name. Hmm. So he said, okay, darkness is here now to read to you. And because um, he wanted to have some camaraderie with him, with him. And, you know, he would take him to class and, and all this stuff. And um, so Art Garfunkel had told Paul Simon about that. But anyway, one day they were in New York City and uh, Grand Central Station. Have you ever been to Grand Central Station? Never been there. I've been there two or three times. Obviously, a busy place. So they're in, in a Grand Central Station. So Sandy's blind. Art's leading him around, helping him. Then Garfunkel said, said, I have to leave for an assignment and left. And Sandy's writing this in a recent memoir. said, you know, he left me, and there I was, blind, in the middle of Grand Central Station. He said, it was rush hour. I was terrified. I was stumbling. I fell. I cut my forehead. I cut my shins. My socks were bloodied. I put my hands out and bumped into people, and it was embarrassing, and said I had a horrendous feeling of shame and humiliation. I started running forward, knocking over coffee cups and briefcases, and I finally got to the local train to Columbia University. It was the worst couple of hours in my life. But he found the train back to the university. He said, back on campus, so I'm reading here, he bumped into a man who apologized, quote, I knew it was Arthur's voice, says Sandy, for a moment, I was enraged, and then I understood what had happened. That his colossally insightful, brilliant, yet wildly risky strategy had worked. Garfunkel had not abandoned Sandy at the station, but had followed him the entire way, watching oh. over him. Arthur knew it was only when I could prove to myself, so this is Sandy writing, only when I could prove to myself that I could do it, that I would have real independence, says Sandy. And it worked, because after that, I felt that I could do anything. Huh. So it's kind of like Arthur, Art Garfunkel, 
told him he was leaving, but he didn't really leave. But he yeah. was watching the whole way yeah. because he knew that Sandy needed to learn that independence. Yeah. And that, you know, if he wasn't forced into it, and he said, that moment was the spark that caused me to live a completely different life without fear, without doubt. And he ended up, Sandy ended up going on to a master's degree at Harvard and Oxford, became an extremely successful lawyer in, um, in Britain. Then about that time, when he was just getting started in, in Europe, Sandy, or I mean, uh, Art back in the U.S., and Paul Simon wanted to record their first album, and they needed $400 to do it. And so he contacted Sandy. Sandy was newly married, and they had $404 in their bank account. Hmm. And he immediately said, you got your $400 because, you oh. know, so it was his chance to kind of make that pack. Because of that, there. Simon Garfunkel recorded the and first so album. And so the first album, the, the album as a whole was a flop, but there was one song that was a huge hit. And I know the first line, I bet. Okay, the, okay, the song, before you get right. the song, is The Sound of Silence. Yeah. You remember the first line? Hello, darkness, my old friend. I'm here to see Comfort you again. I'm or here something. to something like that. Some, yeah. And that's the best, like a yeah. Paul Harvey story. That's yeah. the rest of the story. That's the background yeah. of that. And so just. Well, that is a know, cool story. Really a, yeah, cool story. And the, um, and then later on, see here, you know, so, I mean, they've been friends for like six decades. So Garfunkel credits Sandy with transforming his life. With Sandy, my real life emerged, says the singer. I became a better guy in my own eyes and began to see who I was, somebody who gives to a friend. I'm blessed to find myself with this dimension. My friend is the gold standard of decency, says Sandy. I'm the luckiest man in the world. So, right. I mean, that, that's... That, no, that brings up something I was, I was thinking about talking okay. about. You know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some more reading about this, but you know, there's, I'm sure you've heard this, but there's a hormone called, you know, it's oxytocin. Okay. Um, vaguely now, may have heard Oxytocin is a powerful hormone. It's called the Cupid hormone. It's kind of a hormone that gets generated when you, you're feeling love or close to somebody. Um, and so, but it's also generated when you do something kind for somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or when somebody does something kind for you. And a lot of times it's even generated when you know of something that somebody's done that's kind for somebody else. So there's a mm-hmm. hormone. I mean, think about this there's a chemical in your body that makes you feel good, that releases when you do something kind for somebody else or somebody does something kind for you. And even typically, if you know of something, if you're watching mm-hmm. somebody do something kind for somebody I else. I believe that. I mean, there's a chemical reaction. I mean, that, that brings up a lot of thoughts. For, me. for one, I mean, that happened as a result of an explosion. I mean, that, that's something God put in us. Yeah. That was by design that even our makeup is we are wired to be kind to people. Yeah. And so, you know. And that when we see, it makes me think of the verse in Romans, that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, and repentance yeah. is a change of mind. It's the kindness of God that leads us to change our mind about who God is yeah. and what yeah. this world's all about. And then the idea that God is love, and so it starts with him. When we see his love, when we see his kindness, then, you know, it triggers something in us. Yeah, it's, and, it's and, actually and a chemical reaction. It is amazing, I think. And we, we love, you know, so love one another as I have loved you. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I just thought that, you know, now look at that and think, okay, I'm assuming Art Garfunkel's probably not a believer and probably wasn't at that time, as far as I know, not now. I just don't know. But yeah. yet that is an incredible act of kindness yeah. and service yeah. to another. Yeah. And that's fine. That, that's okay. So, we you know, that that is... So, uh, was Sandy there, there when... 
Paul Simon booted him out of the group, I wonder. If that, I, mean, wonder <laughs> I don't know. That, I wonder how that... I guess there's a whole memoir. Well, the, yeah. the memoir is about Sandy. It's not all about Art. So I don't know. I don't know if Art's... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what he uh, said huh. about that or not. But anyway. anyway. Um, I heard a phrase the other day someone mentioned. I think I'm sure you've heard this too about that we need to be building the kingdom or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that it's a common phrase that I've heard all of my life that, you know, I find myself now at times though, kind of questioning common phrases that I've heard all my life and never really thought mm-hmm. before. Okay. Or building the kingdom and just off the quick, you know, off the top of my head, I could not remember any verse written to believers about building the kingdom. And, of course, there are many times Jesus referred to the kingdom many times. He says, I will build my church. He said, I will build my church, which, yeah. you know, that's, I okay. guess that's part of the discussion is that, yeah. is there, I think it's a difference between the kingdom and the church. Maybe. But yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah, think yeah. So, okay. and the kingdom, I looked up, I didn't do a big, huge study on it, but just a quick glance at, at the word kingdom in the, in the epistles after, um, you know, in Acts forward. And it is quite often in the epistles. Um, a lot of times oh, yeah. we see the phrase inheriting the kingdom or those who will or will not inherit the kingdom. The first verse I always think of is Romans, I think it's fourteen seventeen. the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right. So, I mean, it's there's a pretty easy to, way to get to the point of essentially the kingdom of God is Christ. You know, we're in Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's kind of, and I've thought about this a lot too, that, that it's kind of a... And this may not be the best terminology, but kind of the grace realm, you know, it says we are receiving the kingdom. We have received a kingdom. It says in, I think, was it Philippians, I believe? Um, you know, we've received a kingdom. There's some place, Thomas Bass, still yet to enter a kingdom, yeah. too. So that, yeah. there's well, different there's, we're, parameters we're, we're of that, aspects of this. We're still of that. Yeah. But it's not the church. We do use it synonymously with the church. He's working real hard for the kingdom. In yeah. other words, he got more people to come to church. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what we say. We, we see it synonymously, and I, I don't think it is at all. And we, we kind of forget that we all know it's a spiritual kingdom, but yet we kind of measure everything by oh, what yeah. we can see. Yeah, right. So if you got big numbers yeah. at your congregation, right. then that's when we really get confused about what's. Well, Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world." You yeah. Know? So the kingdom is not a physical manifestation, whether it's the size of your church or the scope of your ministry. That is not building the kingdom. There's a verb about the kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm looking at some of we these other verses here. That, that we have been shaken. translated from the kingdom of darkness right, into the, the right, So that's a past right, tense. We right, have, you know, right, into the kingdom right, of light. Right. And so, but the idea of, you know, Jesus said, as you mentioned, I will build my church. A little difference, but he is still the builder. Right. I mean, that's First Corinthians right, talks about he's right. the builder of, of the house. And there's no place so, we're told to build. So, I mean, I understand um, the, the sentiment and all that, that we're, to, you know, so we are to invest ourselves in, you know, it's good to invest ourselves in things that are, are eternal significance. So I think that's probably what most people mean. But, but it's a way. It's a way to kind of. Well, it's another way too. We want you to do something. We want you to yeah. serve. We want you to do something. I, I was at a, a funeral several months ago, and by somebody that I'm not going to tell you it was that. You know, they talked about. I, I, it was a funeral for a very faithful church girl. I really don't know anything about the mm-hmm. man's spiritual life. So he maybe say it probably was. Um, but the entire sermon was all about the great stuff he did for the church. Yeah. You know, it was nothing. I mean, how do you preach a sermon of somebody who's passed from this life to the next and not talk about the price that Jesus paid? And the final, never forget the the final line of the sermon. The summed it up, the, kind of put the bow on the sermon at the end. Of, and he knows that his service in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah. You know? And it's so... Which is a verse in the Bible. I mean, it, it is a verse in the Bible, but it's, it's yep. not a summation yeah. of 
everything that we are or summation of the kingdom or the gospel. But what I think where we twist that verse, you know, for as much as we know, I want to say first Corinthians 15, but anyway, that we know their labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yeah. But what the average person would hear that and say, okay, it's not in vain because I get something out of it. Right. Well, that's not what that verse is talking about that we can, or our service in the Lord. From it. Yeah. Yeah. That is some, somehow yeah. going to benefit me down yeah. the road. And that's not, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, our labor in the Lord is not in vain, but not because we're going to get something out of it. Not because we're building up credit with that, right. I think, but more that it's has, you know, it's to give away to others that benefits well, others. And it, well, that. okay. So, but I'm not, I'm not so sure that, God won't find a way to bless that or reward that. I'm, but that's is not the that is not indicative of the relationship we have with God, or that's not related to our eternal life for mm-hmm. sure. You know, but to sum up, I don't know, to sum up an entire sermon with all the stuff somebody did for God, I think is missing the gospel. One other topic, we'll we'll kind of start wrapping this up with this, and something I've been meaning to bring up for a while, so we don't have time to go into a, a, a great deal, but. I mean, throughout church history, and this is the way for us growing up, if you want to get a group of believers to feel guilty, I might come up with like a top top 10 list. I don't know if I can come up with 10. Uh, top 10 ways, list yeah. of ways to get Christians to feel guilty. One of them is to bring up the subject of evangelism. Oh, yeah. One of the other ways is you bring up a, a martyr's name, you know, Diedrich Bonhoeff or yeah. Jim Elliott or something like yeah. that. Then that, everyone just immediately feels a, a wave of guilt with that because yeah. they're not measuring up to that. But anyway, the idea of evangelism I remember years ago, before I really saw grace, it struck me of how little there is in the epistles about evangelism. You know, we read about the gospel being spread in Acts. Mm-hmm. You know, the Great Commission was, we were reminded of that we're all just, the time, as if that is the there. Yeah. yeah, it's not called that there. And the New Testament writers after, you know, in the church, they never refer back to that. You know, they never, Paul never tells the Romans or the Corinthians or mm-hmm. or Peter never tells his listeners, you know, oh, don't forget about the Great Commission. But there's almost not, there's only two verses that I know of in the epistles, you know, so we're talking about written by the apostles to the believers in the first century. One fairly well known, First Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer to those, for who the, ask. to those who ask for the hope that lies within you. And then it says to do it with, I forget the exact terms, with respect and kindness or decency or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it even, it's interesting that it points out with kindness and all that and, and respect i think is one of the words but then in second corinthians paul talks about that we're ambassadors you know be reconciled so there, there's that sense but other than that mm-hmm. i don't think there's any verses at all written to believers that they need to be out evangelizing mm-hmm. i mean is that do you get much thought to that or um i have one time i haven't recently but i might uh, i might rethink that so, i mean if someone's feeling guilty about i need to be doing more evangelism i mean i remember tell me if you're this way i remember growing up that that was the one thing i would feel guilty about mm-hmm. i mean i wasn't into big bad sins you know i didn't cuss i didn't drink you know i wasn't into drugs i went to church you know i was pretty much checking all the pharisaical boxes but I didn't evangelize. Uh, here, here, here's so, the verse for you on that, though. Here's the verse that the people nail you with on that. Is that he who's ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of him before my father. Yeah. Or confessing before them. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea being, if you can't talk to people about me, then I'm not going to talk to God yeah. about you. That's the idea. And that's the way you earn your way in. 
So, I mean, I've given some thought of that. Maybe we'll t- talk about it more in another podcast. But I, I guess when I hear that, I'm reminded of Andrew Farley that really took this. You look, okay, where does this go then? Because yeah. if you go that around, if I'm going to be motivated in my guilt, you know, that's a red flag right there. If, if I'm going to be motivated to do something. What about fear? Out oh of God, fear, I yeah, fear and guilt and shame. Not, yeah. I mean, that is not the way, talking about the kingdom of God, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not shame. Right. We need to come up with the opposite three. Instead of righteousness, peace, and joy, it's yeah. you know guilt, shame, and fear say, or whatever. Says one time, I need to point to one person in heaven to God that I influenced to get in. He was there, there yeah, yeah. There. He's there because of me. I need to at least have one person. And it's not that it's not important. So you know, we don't want to come across as saying you know that yeah. it's you know there is an eternity, mm-hmm. and and we do believe in yeah. a heaven and a hell. Um, we are not universalist. We are not inclusionist. But I just also know that that's not the way grace works that's not the way the kingdom of god works is by getting people to feel guilty and shamed and fearful so that they do this because they will never end you know you will never feel like you've done enough and so you know god is the one who draws people to himself and so i think as we know that we're loved then that does come across to other people and we'll we'll be asking times. what always gets me the people who are very pro you know great commission will go into all the world you know Mm -hmm. but they haven't gone into all the world well but that's for the church as a whole well what does that mean so there's a a general command that you don't have to pay attention to, but other people do. I mean, yeah. how does that work? You know. And also, I may mention this one other time, but you know, there is one time Jesus talks about those who will travel over land and sea. Specifically, yeah. says I think well, that way is over land yeah. and sea to make a a disciple of themselves, and he's referring to the Pharisees. Yeah, right. So really, the the one time he does talk about that type of what we would consider missionaries is, is not in a very good light. So I mean, I'm still thinking through this. Yeah, but. You know, we compare all this to the person of Jesus Christ and the grace of God and the heart of God. And I think as we learn to walk in his love, there will be opportunities and and people will notice something different and we'll be able to give an answer to those who ask with grace, with kindness, and with respect. Yes, I agree with that. You know, Jeff, the next podcast I'm going to tell you, I want, I want to tackle a pretty tough subject, okay? okay. I, I may not come to any great conclusions, and I, I may I have a few conclusions, but maybe nothing profound, and we may not even get through it in one podcast. I don't know. Is this eschatology, but, or we're going to talk about no, second nothing like coming? That. Something and, that I okay, think okay. is really kind of practical, but uh, we'll see what you think. Okay, you know? all right. Looking there forward to it. All right.